through what we're calling Route 66. And I love this study. It's, it's really an overview, so we're kind of just, we're flying fast, Lenny. I mean, we're going through these, and I hope you're keeping up. I hope you're writing things down, and I hope you're hanging on to these. Listen, by the time we get done, you're going to have a pretty good little um, group of papers there to help you that when you're studying or reading a certain book of the Bible, you can refer back to these. And so as we go through these 66 books, we started in the New Testament, and we've gone through quite a few. And here we come tonight to really, we're getting to the end of the Apostle Paul's uh, letters that he wrote, and we call them books in our Bible. So if you notice on the shelf there on the slide, the blue books were in First and Second Timothy. Next week are the last of the 13 books that they, they attribute to the Apostle Paul, and that would be Titus and Philemon. But tonight we're going to focus on First and Second Timothy. And as we get into our study tonight, I want you to notice, and I took the time to just give you a couple quick little thoughts here. If you notice on the slider on your paper, I want to start by just talking a little bit about what are known as the pastoral epistles, all right? Now, again, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. All scripture is profitable. So understand, as we think about these letters, these 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus, and we're going to look at two tonight and one next week, that these are letters written to pastors, but I do believe there is something in these books, I don't know about you, but long before I started to pastor, uh, these were some of my favorite places to go in the Word of God. And so I want you to see a couple statements. The first one is the pastoral epistles are three letters written by the Apostle Paul, 1 and 2 Timothy, and the book of Titus. All three of these letters are from an old man at the close of his ministry who really is concerned for his successors in the pastorate. So think about that. I have known many pastors in my life. Some of you had a pastor before you came here. And sometimes pastors that we've had, pastors that we've known, our older pastors, I don't mean dis any disrespect by saying an old man, but we're all getting older. But here's the thing is, uh, I've already sat and talked with other people because I'm not getting any younger. And, and God's given me this opportunity to be the pastor of this church, but somebody's going to follow me. And I want to make sure that, that while I'm here, that God's word is being taught, that we are giving honor to the Lord, that we're lifting up the Lord Jesus Christ. But just like Paul, I'm concerned about the successor of this pastor, this church. Why? Because as the pastor goes, so goes the church. Are you with me tonight? How many of you know of a church where a pastor's decided, you know what, I'm going to change my version of the Bible. I'm going to quit having a certain service. I'm going to change the way that maybe we do music or the way that we dress or whatever. How many of you know a church like that? Okay. And, and listen, a lot of times, I, I say it this way, if, if a church or a pastor is leaning, the direction they're leaning is the direction they're going to fall. And I don't know about you, but listen, our church is a Bible church, and we want to make sure that the Word of God is our guide, it's our, it's our rule book, it's what we follow. This isn't a church of man, this is God's house. It's the church of the living God. And I love these two books here. Because really it shows Paul's heart, not, listen, it wasn't about Paul. It was about 
the ministry that God had entrusted to him, that he had a burden for those that were going to take over after him. But listen, we need, as, as, as pastors, uh, I think a, a great example in the Old Testament was Moses had a young man that was standing uh, off to the side that when God called him home, that man took the reins and began to lead God's people. What was that man's name? Joshua, all right? So here's the thing is, Paul's heart about who would succeed him in the ministry. Now look at this last statement. The letters talking about First and Second Timothy and the book of Titus, they concern the things which would be crucial for the young pastors to understand. And here's some of those things. One of them is church organization. You know, how does, how's the church, how should it be? We call that the polity of the church, all right? Another thing is church discipline. You find that in the Bible, Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 18. By the way, it, 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 a lot of times people focus on the discipline side of it. Do you know that discipline is only meant to bring around, about correction? See, our, our goal, God has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Uh, look, it's not our job to go around correcting everyone. That's God's business. But the Bible does give what we call church discipline. It also covers the opposition of rebellious members, people in the church that are, that are maybe going a different direction. It covers false teachers and the maintenance of doctrinal purity. So here's the thing is, is we want to understand that as God is, here's the question tonight. Does God's word ever change? Does God ever change? No. So why should we, his church? But yet so many churches, so many pastors, so many Christians have let doctrine go by the wayside. And so I love what you find in these pastoral epistles because they stress the maintenance of doctrinal purity. You know what the Lord wants to find when he comes back? He wants to find a pure bride. You know who the bride is? It's the church. It's the believers in Christ. So here's, here we'll get started with the first of these, what we call pastoral epistles, and that's 1 Timothy. And I've entitled this one, Advice to Ministers. Now, again, these are pastoral epistles. But understand this, if you're a child of God, guess what? We all, in one way or another, are to be ministers of Jesus Christ. So again, you'll find application for your life. Now, look, you may not fit into where you'll find the qualifications for a pastor, the qualifications for a deacon, because you may not be qualified to hold one of those two offices, but there are so many other things you'll find that will help you as a minister of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the epistle, the name of the epistle, it, it derives its name from the one to whom Paul was writing and that was Timothy. He calls him his son in the ministry. There was a, there was a fondness there uh, between Paul and Timothy. Look at the Bible says, 1 Timothy 1 and verse 1. The Bible says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. And notice, here it is, unto Timothy, my known son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father, and Jesus Christ our Lord. So Paul is writing here, and he's writing to Timothy, his son in the faith. Now, Paul, and of course his traveling companion, which was Barnabas when he first started his missionary journeys, on their first 
missionary journey, they came to the city of Lystra where they found a Jewish, a woman that was a Jew, and her name was Lois, and you see this in 1 Timothy, and her daughter's name was Eunice, and the Bible shows us here that both of these women had been converted to the Christian faith. I think we have a map of where as Paul and Barnabas are traveling around, notice as they leave Antioch, of course they made it there through Cyprus and they made it up to Perga and then of course they, they head up to Pisidia up there and then they make their way to Iconium and then to Lystra and then to Derby. So this is their first missionary journey as they're going around. Now remember, why did they go on missionary journeys? To establish churches, to lead people to Christ to see new works beginning, and this is something that we ought to be a part of even to this very day. So we find here that Paul, he meets in Lystra a lady by the name of Lois. She had a daughter named Eunice, and they were both Christian women. And it, it says here that Lois and, uh, or excuse me, Eunice had been married, and she married a Gentile, and that Gentile and her they had a son, his name was Timothy. Now, again, there's really not a lot to validate this, but you really don't see a lot of discussion about Timothy's father. Many people comment and believe that maybe his father, at this particular time of the writing of 1 Timothy, maybe his father had already been dead. Uh, we don't know that, but what we do find is Lois, Eunice, and Timothy all lived together and it appears that as you search the, the uh, writings here, that Timothy had been brought up, and one of the things he was taught as a child was to fear the Lord. He was taught to fear the Lord, and Timothy, uh, because he was taught the ways of God, he too became a convert or a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says evidence of this, 2 Timothy 1.5, when I call to remember the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice. And Paul says, and I am persuaded that it is in thee also. Um, every time I read that verse, it reminds me so much of when I met my wife, and of course she was a Christian already, and, and I got to know her family. Her mother was the godliest woman I've, I've known. And then, and then her grandmother uh, also was a Christian woman, uh, a very spirited Christian woman. But, uh, but I think about Lois and Eunice and Timothy, and then I think about uh, my wife and her mother and her grandmother. And, and listen, I know today that my wife is a Christian because of her mother's faith, because of her mom's faith, or my wife's grandmother's. And look, I, I don't know about you, but I, I'm a first-generation Christian. I don't come from a long line of, of Christians in my family. I do believe as I studied back in some of my family's history that there were Christians, but maybe it skipped a couple generations. But listen, if you're like me and you don't have a father or a mother or a grandfather or somebody like that, then look, why don't you let that godly line begin with you? And, and then just from you, just like Lois and Eunice and to Timothy, and I have to believe that Timothy passed that faith along, and I love how this, this just kind of gives his family's faith here. Now, notice 2 Timothy 3.15, again, talking about Timothy, the Bible says that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith 
which is in Christ Jesus. I love to see children learning Bible verses, uh, learning stories from the Word of God. And if you have kids, listen, invest in them. Teach them the Word of God. Teach them verses from the Bible. And I'll, I'll tell you what, uh, God's Word will not return void, the Bible says. And it's a wonderful thing. Now, uh, I mentioned this earlier. Uh, there was a very tender intimacy that grew up between Timothy and Paul. And again, it was more of a, it was a spiritual father and a spiritual son. That was the relationship that they had. The name Timothy means God-honoring. So, you know, wonderful name there. When you see it, you might know somebody named Timothy, but it means God-honoring. And when Paul came uh, to Lystra the second time, because remember, Paul made more than one missionary journey, but when he came to, to Lystra from Antioch the second time, he found Timothy, a member of the church there, and he Timothy was so highly recommended by the church that Paul took him to be his companion on his travels. Uh, look what the Bible says, or maybe uh, you'll see it there, or if you want to turn to Acts 16, because uh, I don't know if I include this verse, but the Bible says in Acts 16 and verse 1, Then came he to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess, and the Bible says he believed, but his father was a Greek, which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconia. So look, what a testimony Timothy had, not only in Lystra, but the Bible says also in Iconium. So Timothy had a great reputation. And again, this is a testimony we're talking about Timothy tonight. You and I should have a tremendous testimony for the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why Paul took Timothy to be his companion in his travels. Now, it appears that Timothy had not been circumcised, and the reason that he had not been circumcised was probably due to the fact that the Bible says he had a father that was a Gentile. And again, the fathers really uh, decided certain things, especially for their sons, and maybe because his father was a Gentile. Now, when Paul was determined to take Timothy along as a companion in his travels, Paul found it was necessary to have Timothy circumcised, and the reason was because if he did not do this, then the Jews would not hear or listen to what Timothy was trying to teach them about God, nor would they listen to Paul either had he not done this. And so we find that this was the reason that he did that. Now, if you look in Acts 16 again in verse number 3, here's what the Bible says. Him would Paul, talking about Timothy, have to go forth with him, and notice he took and circumcised him because of the Jews which were in those quarters, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Now again, this was an opportunity that Paul saw that they could witness and share the gospel with these Jewish people. And, and I don't know about you, but uh, I don't want to be a stumbling block. And that's what Paul was, when he thought of Timothy, he wanted to make sure that they could have a great opportunity to witness for the Lord with those folks. Now, after joining Paul, Timothy became his assistant. But as you study the scriptures, Timothy never really left Paul's side. He stayed with him. Only the time that he was gone from, from Paul was when Paul sent him on some special errand. And that happened a few times in the ministry of the Apostle Paul. But boy, I, I think to myself, what it would have been like to travel with the Apostle Paul. Man, that would have been awesome. And Timothy got that privilege, and it says here that Timothy had his 
like many of us, he, he had his weaknesses as well as strong points. And look at a couple things that Timothy struggled with. Notice he was weak physically. Uh, he struggled a little bit in that area. Uh, he was also very timid. Uh, the Bible says in, sec, in 2 Timothy 1 and verse 6, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now think about that. We use those verses all the time. Here's the context of that verse where God hasn't given us the spirit of fear. It's in the context of Paul telling Timothy, look, when it comes to doing the work of God and being a child of God and being a leader for the Lord, you don't have to be timid. God hasn't given us that spirit that we have to be fearful. Why? Because the Lord is with us. And Paul said, look, Timothy, don't be timid when it comes to the Lord's work. And then another area that Timothy struggled a little bit was in the area of how there were times that he was ashamed of his testimony. And the Bible says in two places, in 2 Timothy 1 verse 8, listen to this. Paul said, be thou not therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the affliction of the gospel according to the power of God. So Paul's telling Timothy, and by the way, you and I, we should never be ashamed to be a Christian. Listen, don't have a problem if somebody asks you, you know, uh, look, do you go to church? Just say to them, I'm a Christian. I believe that, uh, I, I believe the scriptures, I'm a child of God, I've I've been born again. Listen, don't be ashamed of that. And Paul says, look, Timothy, don't be ashamed of me either. You know, I mean, I've been serving the Lord. I've been trying to do what God has called me to do. And, and so there were times that Timothy struggled with this. In chapter 2 of 2 Timothy, in verse number 15, Paul says to him there, study to show thyself approved unto God. Look at these. A workman, Paul says to Timothy, that needeth not to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth. Boy, that, that's a great verse there. That's one that we ought to live by in our lives is making sure that you're cutting the word straight. But Paul's telling Timothy in the immediate context there, he says, Timothy, look, you need to make sure that, that you're studying the scriptures correctly. He says, you need to be a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Look, there's a lot of times where I, I will make a mess out of something when I'm teaching or preaching the word of God. But you know the one thing that I never have to apologize for? The Word of God. Why? Because it's God's Word. Now, if people have an issue with it, they don't have an issue with me. They have an issue with God, and they have to take that up with Him. But Paul is trying to help Timothy with some of these areas. And, and again, remember, this was Paul as an older man. He had a passion to try to help a younger man that was coming up behind him. You know, that's something that God's been... I can't even tell you how many times in the six years I've been here that I've gone into Brother Kenny's office or have Brother Kenny in my office, and we've sat and talked for minutes and minutes and minutes and even hours sometimes. You know why? Because, look, God could call me home tomorrow, and God's given me an opportunity to have a younger man under me, and it's not that I really have anything to offer to him, but the, the, the things that God has taught me and shown me I want to invest in him, just like others have invested in me. Uh, how many of you know the phrase, a Heinz 57 dog? You know what I'm talking about? It's kind of a mutt, we call it. It has 
a little bit of this, a little bit. That's what I am as far as a preacher of the gospel. I'm a Heinz 57 preacher because I've had so many people that have invested and taught me this and showed me this. And, and listen, I want to try to do the same thing that, that Paul was doing with Timothy, and he was trying to help him understand some areas he struggled in. Now, Timothy was exhorted to wage a good warfare and how would he do that? The Bible says by enduring hardness, and here's the example, as a good soldier. Well, you think about some of our soldier men and women of our country that have, that have gone into the battlefield and they've endured such, uh, such conditions and things that they've had to face. Uh, how many of you figured out by now that the Christian life is a battle, is it not? Uh, I was, I, we had a chance yesterday, we listened to, uh, we listened to a, uh, it was it was called Faith Wins, and it was it was uh, Governor Huckabee, and uh, Chad Connolly, and two preachers, my pastor and, and Dr. Clarence Sexton, and we listened to these four men, and here's what they said. They said, you know, this election is not about the election. He says there's an agenda in this in our country today, and really in the world. Listen to me where they are trying to do away with anything that is related to our faith in Christ. Because, look here, the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ, our beliefs, smacks in the face of everything the world's trying to do today. And if they can get rid of that, if they can remove it like they did the Bible and the prayers in schools back in the 60s, then they will win all these other things. That, listen, then it's no holds barred. Uh, they're they're going to have freedom. So look, I'll tell you, when it comes time, and I'm not going to stand and endorse anyone. I don't care if you are whatever party you are. Can I tell you that when it comes time to step into the poll and every Christian ought to vote, it, it is not about a candidate. It's what the, the issues the candidates stand for. And what you need to do is search the scriptures and find out where those those candidates stand on the word of God and I, if you're like me, look, you probably figured it out by now, it's, by now it's the lesser of two evils. <laughs> there is no perfect candidate. There is no perfect party. I'm not here to be political, but I am here to be biblical. And so when we look at the Word of God, we need to understand that this, what we're in right now is the same thing that Paul was in, that Timothy was in, and it's a spiritual warfare. And Paul told him, he says, look, I'm encouraging you, Timothy, this isn't going to be a cakewalk being in the ministry. And if you're serving the Lord today as a Christian, it's going to be a spiritual battle, and we need to understand that. Now notice, as, as Paul shares that with him, the Bible says here in 1 Timothy 1 and verse 18, listen to what Paul says, I charge thee, he says, this charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them, by the prophecies, by the word of God, that he says, by them mightest war a good warfare. Look, we're not out to, to harm and hurt. We are trying to do the work of God. And that's what Paul was encouraging him. Now notice, we talked about a few weak points in Timothy's life. Notice this statement. His strong point was he had a special call of God on his life as an evangelist. As an evangelist to, to preach and teach the word of God. Uh, 1 Timothy 4 and verse 14, Paul tells him, Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which is given thee by, the, by, by prophecy, with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. And so Paul says, look, 
He says, you need to make sure that what God has committed to you, Timothy, that gift, he says, don't neglect the gift. Some of you, look here, God has given you the chance to teach a class. God's given you a chance to be a witness. Don't neglect what God has given to you. Use the gifts that God has given to you so that many others will come to know him. And this is what Paul was encouraging Timothy. Now notice Timothy, uh, also he suffered imprisonment. The Bible says in Hebrews 13 and verse 23, listen, know ye that our brother Timothy is set at liberty. That means that he was bound, that he was in prison, but he was set free. So, so we find here that, that Timothy suffered imprisonment, and according to tradition, Timothy died a martyr's death under the ruler, the emperor Domitian. And so again, Timothy's life, now if you ask Timothy someday when you get to heaven, I'll tell you this, here's what Timothy's going to say. It was worth it, every last bit of it. Uh, I guarantee anybody that's living for the Lord, even though we endure uh, hardships, we endure troubles, but listen, Jesus himself went to the cross and Timothy understood what it meant to suffer. Now the occasion of 1 Timothy was when Paul and Timothy arrived at Ephesus, that as they got to the city of Ephesus, that there were these heretical teachers that were busy spreading their errors and this was just exactly what Paul predicted. Uh, if you have your Bible and you want to look at these verses in Acts chapter 20 and verse 29, the Bible says that Paul, the Bible says there, for, this, for I know this, look at this, I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock, also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Boy, isn't that what's going on today in so many churches. People are, they're not teaching the word of God. They're not expounding on the scriptures. They're not sharing doctrinal truths. They are, according to this verse right here, what are they doing? They are speaking perverse things. And why? Because they're trying to draw people away from the truth. They're trying to draw people unto themselves. Hey, look, folks, don't follow me. I will disappoint you. But like Paul said, if I'm following the Lord, then certainly let's follow the Lord together. And, and so we see here that Paul was writing, Paul, Paul was trying to help with some of these errors that were being spread. So when Paul left Ephesus, he placed Timothy in charge of the church. Timothy was given uh, the, the privilege, like I am here, to be in charge of the church, to lead the, the flock of God. Timothy's early education that he had as a believer, I, I think prepared him in part to become the opponent of, of this, this uh, error that was being spread. And, and again, this was something that, look, look what Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, verse 12. Here's an older man to a younger man. Let no man despise thy youth. Do you know that wisdom doesn't mean that you have to have gray hair? I've met some pretty young people that are very wise beyond their years. And, and Paul tells Timothy, don't let anyone despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, what you say, in conversation, the way you live, in charity, your love, he says, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. Paul says, just be an example, Timothy, and people cannot argue with a life that's lived for God. Now notice the contents of the first Timothy, Paul's teaching Timothy how to behave himself in the house of God by taking heed to his doctrine and his conversation. And again, the word conversation 
means his lifestyle. And Paul says, look, Timothy, uh, I want you to pay attention to what I'm doing. Now, again, it's not that we're worshiping or following man, but as Paul was following the Lord, he says, Timothy, I want you to learn. By the way, if, if, if children today, listen to me, if children today do not see a home where it's a man and a woman, a husband and a wife, which is God's pattern for the home, if they don't see it that way, then guess what? They're not going to grow up understanding that's God's way. And, and the home, the, the, this world has constantly tried to redefine the home. And we have got to teach boys and girls what the Bible, and look, not only in our words as we teach them, but the way we live our lives, how we should uh, treat our husbands, treat our wives. So Paul's trying to teach Timothy how to behave. You know, th this verse here, uh, 1 Timothy 3, verse 15, uh, but if I tarry long, Paul says that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. Now, earlier I was talking about uh, some unpleasantries, about children riding on the chairs, and, and certainly I think that children, look, I think it's great from time to time our kids are in church. I think kids need to be taught how to sit in the house of God. I don't think that kids should always be entertained. That's not what church is. We're not here in the entertainment business, but Paul says, look, Timothy, I want you to understand this is how you should act in the house of God. Uh, God's house is a place of reverence. We shouldn't be running around like Comanches in the house of God. We should be behaving ourselves and taking heed to the doctrine. The Bible says in chapter 4, matter of fact, look in your Bible there, 1 Timothy 4. I want you to look at verse number 12, what the Bible says here. A couple great verses as Paul is writing to Timothy about behaving, knowing the doctrine. Look at what it says in verse number 12 of 1 Timothy 4. Let, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers, in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity, till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which is given thee by, pres by pres uh, prophecy with the laying on of hands of the presbytery. He says, meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting from those things may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, Paul says, for in doing this, continuing in the doctrine and the things that you've been taught, he says, in doing this, this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Uh, some great instructions there from Paul to Timothy. And so we find that as the contents. Now, Paul gives, write it down, the qualifications of pastors and deacons here in this first Timothy. He also covers the care of widows and again dealing with our walk with the Lord, our Christian walk. Now the character uh, of the book of first Timothy, this letter is again, it's a pastoral epistle or a pastoral letter. The subject of first Timothy is the teaching and conduct that is becoming in the church of God. So again, behaving ourselves, what's becoming to the Lord, and the purpose of 1 Timothy is to give divine caution and guidance to every servant of God in this dispensation. And that word, that's a Bible word, the word dispensation. It means in this present age or this time that we're living in, how that we need to understand God has given us some direction, some guidance, and we need to be cautious about what we're doing 
as believers. Now, simple outline there, it's all about receiving instruction. Notice concerning false doctrine, instruction about the church, about false teachers, again, about pastoral responsibility. So look, I know that the book was advice to ministers, but notice the outline there. It's not that every chapter or every verse is directed right to pastors. You see that area there, pastoral responsibilities. And then the last part is concerning the man of God. So that's, that's a simple outline for you to follow. The writer of 1 Timothy is Paul, and Paul wrote this while he was in Macedonia uh, around 63 AD. And the key chapter to uh, 1 Timothy is chapter number 1, where it deals with, again, a system of works, legalism, and a lot of the false teaching that was there and how that teaching needed to be rebuked. It needed to be corrected. And so Paul was trying to help Timothy. And of course, Timothy was left there to deal with that. The key verses is chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. Look at these great verses. These things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. So Paul's writing in many places in this small five chapters, and notice the word here, the key word is the word charge. It means, Paul, uh, Timothy, I'm giving this to you, I'm charging you, and some other great words you'll find used many times here is godliness, doctrine, and faithful. Uh, and the word faithful there is our, in our key phrase, because the key phrase to this book is, we who are in Christ, we just need to be faithful to the Lord as God gives us opportunity. Uh, the key thought is order in the church. And we looked at that verse twice already, chapter 3, verse 15. Again, knowing how God would have things to be done. Yeah, look, we all know God is a God of order. God's not a God of disorder. And the spiritual thought for 1 Timothy is to guard the gospel. Make sure that we are guarding what is precious, and that is the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior. And Jesus in the First uh, Timothy is seen as the mystery of godliness, and we find this in First Timothy three sixteen. Look at this great verse: "Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness." And here's the mystery: Look at it; it spells it out. God was manifest; He was revealed in the flesh. We call that the incarnation. He was justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and then received up into glory. That really gives the entire life of Christ right there in a, in a little nutshell. Uh, what a great verse that you could share with somebody. Now, you know, I was reading through, and I love this statement that somebody made. It's not on the screen, probably not in your notes. But listen to the statement, because a lot of times I like to think about, you know, as God directed Paul to write these words, uh, here's what somebody said. Whether or not Paul was conscious of the relationship that this letter, 1 Timothy, was to hold in the church throughout the many years to come is a question that we cannot answer. In other words, Paul probably didn't think, oh yeah, this is in 2020, they're still going to be uh, searching this letter and, and using this. Uh, Paul had really had no idea. And so he went on to say, whoever believes that the Holy Spirit guided his writing cannot fail to believe that the future wants of the church were cared for. And that herein, more fully than anywhere else, the living church may at all times see a divinely modeled order for church government. And that's what 1 Timothy is. 
It gives us a great instruction on how the church should, be, should function, how we should behave, the order in the church. And so that's 1 Timothy. Now, 2 Timothy uh, follows it, and this is Paul's final message. That's what 2 Timothy is. Again, it was written uh, from Paul to Timothy, his son in the faith. And the occasion of writing 2 Timothy, look at this, it was the time of Paul's departure. In other words, Paul's time on this earth was getting very short. And so this letter was really a combat manual. It was exhorting Timothy to put the spiritual equipment. We read about the whole armor of God in the Bible. And so Paul was telling Timothy, put on the spiritual equipment of, in God's word. And he says, use it constantly. Why? Because you need, you need it to overcome the obstacles in ministry. Uh, you know, think about it. God's given us that spiritual armor for our protection. And this is what Paul was telling Timothy. That's the reason that the occasion of writing 2 Timothy. Now, the contents, Paul stirs up Timothy to the faithful and diligent discharge of his duty as a minister of the gospel. And notice here also to abide constantly by the truths that are in the word of God. He says, Timothy, to stay by the stuff. Don't change your doctrine. That's what he was telling this young man of God. He says, and he wanted to inspire him to suffer patiently because the Bible says that all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So Paul says, Timothy, when the persecution comes, when the suffering comes, he says, do it patiently, cheerfully, and courageously for the sake of the gospel. And then he also wrote this to warn Timothy about those false teachers and their errors. So 1 Timothy, when we just looked at that, it really gives specific attention to the duties, the responsibilities of the pastor. But 2 Timothy is really more concerned with the preacher. That's what 2 Timothy really deals with. And, uh, I, you know, when you study it, look, no doubt 2 Timothy, when you, when you read this, these few chapters here, there is kind of a, a tone of sadness to this letter, 2 Timothy. Why? Because when you look at it, Paul was in prison. No doubt if he was in prison, he was cold. He was without his books. He was friendless. This wasn't like when he was under house arrest and people could come see him. He was friendless. And Paul was literally expecting his execution to, to happen very, very soon. Uh, he was, I guess you could say it this way, he was on death row. And so there is that sad uh, uh, note to this letter but really, when you look at it and you study it, I find it to be a song of triumph. It, it really is a, uh, look, at, look at this verse here, 2 Timothy 4, 17. Notwithstanding, he's in prison, he's writing this. He says, notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. Hey, look. Paul's saying, look, I know I'm in prison. I know it doesn't look good. But he says, listen, it's all happened to the furtherance of the gospel. God is using this. God's used my life. And he says, and, and here's the great thought. Listen, when you are like Paul, may your testimony be the same as his. The Lord stood with me. God didn't abandon me. He didn't forsake me. He kept his promise and he strengthened me during those times. And so the second Timothy really, I think, is kind of, if I could put it this way, it's kind of like Paul's swan song. You know, it was really his, uh, it contained his epitaph. Uh, I love these couple verses. Look at them there in your notes. 
2 Timothy 4, verse 6 through 8, Paul writes, For I am now ready. Hey, listen, I don't know if you're ready for that day, but Paul was ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. He says, And I have fought a good fight. He says, I've, I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up. Paul was looking forward to glory. He was looking forward to his uh, soon arrival to be with the Lord. And he says, There's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord... The righteous judge shall give me at that day. And Paul says, look, this is not only something for me as the apostle born out of due time, but he says it's for all those that are being faithful to the Lord. He says, not to me only, but to all them that love his appearing. So Paul was really saying this sentiment, only one life will soon be passed and only what's done for Christ will last. That's really what Paul, I love his anthem here. Now the character of 2 Timothy is, again, it's just like 1 Timothy, it's a pastoral epistle. The subject of this second letter is the unchangeable authority and power of God's word in the last days. Now last week we studied 1 and 2 Thessalonians, which dealt with some, some eschatology, some doctrine of, of last days, end times, but Paul here is, is exhorting us, God's word doesn't change. Folks, can I tell you, look, with all that's going on in the world today and politics and all that, this whole mess in the world, the one thing that's absolute, it never changes, is God's word. And God says it's forever settled. So the purpose is to show why scripture has been given to man. I, I don't know about you, but I love the Bible. I love to study the word of God. And I love to know why God gave it to us. Well, it, listen, if you ever uh, somebody ever says, why do we have a Bible? Here's the verse. Look at it. 2 Timothy 3.16, and actually we'll tack on verse 17. All Scripture, how much Scripture? All Scripture is given by inspiration of who? God. And it is profitable for doctrine. It's profitable for reproof. It's profitable for correction. It's profitable for instruction in righteousness. And we need God's word. Why? So that the man of God or the woman of God may be perfect. That word means mature. That they may be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. That's why God gave the scriptures to mankind. A simple outline in 2 Timothy deals in chapter 1 with the afflictions of the gospel. Chapter 2 we see this matter of being active in our service for the Lord. Chapters 3 and 4, part of 4, deal with the apostasy that is coming. I really believe there's a falling away already happening. And we see, again, the authority of the scriptures. And then, fourthly, we see this allegiance to the Lord. But remember what Paul said? The Lord stood with me. He's talking about the allegiance of the Lord to us. And listen, how we need to be faithful to God, and He is a faithful God to us. And the writer, of course, is the Apostle Paul. He wrote this uh, around 67, but this was not written where he wrote 1 Timothy. This was written from a Roman prison right before his death by Emperor Nero. Now, Paul was in what is called the Mamertine prison is where he was being held. And I love this thought. Paul was bound, but the word of God wasn't. And as God allowed his word to go forth, it began to lodge in the heart of his hearers. 2 Timothy 2.9, uh, the Bible says, Wherein I suffer trouble, Paul says, as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Folks, listen, God's word can do far more than we could ever do. Uh, when people say something to me about, uh, hey, pastor, thank you for 
the message or whatever. Listen, that's not me. That's God's word that's doing the work in a person's heart and life. And Paul says, I might be in this prison, but God's word is going beyond the walls of this prison. We're still studying it today. Notice 2 Timothy 2, 9 again. He says, but the word of God is not bound. The key chapter is chapter 3, the believer's resource. That's what 2 Timothy is, the believer's resource for apostasy. Uh, this matter of people following after error and falling away from the truth. And so this is our resource. Study it and know it. The key verse is 2 Timothy 2.15. We saw it earlier. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The, the key word, just like 1 Timothy, is the word charge. Paul says, look, Timothy, I'm putting this in your charge. The baton, Timothy, is being put in your hand. And listen, you are the one that God is charging to keep the faith for your family, uh, for your friends. Each one of us need to make sure that we are understanding the charge God's given to us. The key phrase in 2 Timothy is, in Christ we are triumphant. We are triumphant. The key thought is, again, here it is, responsibility in the house of God. What is our responsibility in the house of God? A spiritual thought for 2 Timothy is to guard the witness. Guard the witness that God has given to us. Make sure that you are guarding your testimony that you have for the Lord. That, that's one of the things Paul was trying to help Timothy with. And then Christ in 2 Timothy is seen as our righteous judge. And I love that thought there. Paul shared that in chapter 4 and verse 1. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick, that means the alive, those that are alive and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. So listen, the Lord Jesus is our righteous judge. Hey, listen, I went through that fast, but First and Second Timothy, great, great books in our Bible, letters that Paul wrote to young man. But I have found in my life, even not as a pastor, things that really just help me, uh, give me direction, energize me, exhort me. And I hope that you find that when you study these two small books in your Bible. And so next week, uh, if you can, read through Titus and Philemon. Now listen, the assignment's easy this week. Titus is three chapters, and Philemon is only one chapter, all right? So four chapters before next Wednesday, and we're going to have a great time with those. And we're just going through these books in the New Testament. I hope you're enjoying it, getting what you can, and we're going to move into eventually some of those uh, writings of John and writings of Peter and enjoy the last couple books of the New Testament. All right, well, let's have a word of prayer and uh, have a great time as we leave here tonight. Lord, thank you again for your word, how precious it is. I pray that you'd bless it tonight. Lord, may we remember what you want us to take with us and may we implement it in our lives to endure uh, some of the suffering as you instructed Timothy through the Apostle Paul. Uh, that we would be a good soldier of Jesus Christ and understand the spiritual battle, the warfare that we are in in this world. And God, I pray that we too would avail ourselves to the spiritual armor in the Word of God that we might be able to stand in the evil day. And Lord, again, help us, protect us. God, use us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.